Hey, podcast listeners. Uh, welcome to another edition of Right Here, Right Now. I'm your host, Pat Young, with Dog Ear Books, and I am thrilled to have uh, an up-and-coming young author, Alex Perry, who has her debut novel coming out the end of this month. Um, I, I will probably get really excited as we go on through this interview, but we'll uh, start out just by saying hi, Alex, and welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, so uh, you let us know a few months ago about your book coming out, and then um, I, di- I didn't really know what it was about. sounded adorable, and pictures great, but then I read it. Seriously, I'm going to get tears. It is the best book, people. It's a middle-level um, book, but those are some of the best, I think, around. Uh, so um, we're going to just chat with Alex and get some insight into what led her to um, t- to write in the first place and, um, and led her to this book. So Alex, if you'd like to just share with us how you got into writing. I've always been interested in writing. I my dad recently found some old um, books, quote unquote, that I had written in first grade on those, you know, those gray pieces of paper with the big lines on them that you practice writing your letters on. Mm -hmm. And I stapled them together and I drew the pictures and I made like 10 little books in first grade. My favorite one was called What is in it? And it's a kid that, well, she's chasing a cat. She looks at the cat and she says, what is in it? The next picture is the human body. And then, like, the cat's head, the cat's body's, like, on top of the head. Like, she's put her head inside the cat's mouth. And she said, cheese is, a mouse is in the cat. (laughs) Cheese is in the mouse. (laughs) And so um, I think that 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 was probably the peak of my writing career. And I think it's all been downhill since what is in it. Very proud of that. You need to hang on to it. Someday it'll be worth a lot of money. The big questions in life, like what is in the cat, finally got answered. What is in anything? Yeah, that's that's awesome. You answered the question. I think writers have to have that creative spark and that imagination. Um, And then, I mean, when you have it, who knows where it leads to. And so from that point on, did you ever do any writing like in um, high school, college, or in you know any of that? Well, my parents were always really supportive of my sister and me doing creative types of things. She ended up doing movie industry stuff, and I ended up writing. And also later on in elementary and middle school, they had, whenever I was in um, the Department of Defense school in Germany, they had a young author's contest where mm-hmm. you wrote a little book and you got to go to a little writer's conference if you won that. So I won that a few times. And like with any kid, if someone tells you you're good at something, it makes you good at it. Yeah. And it encourages you to keep right. on trying and trying. So I kept doing that. And then finally, um, I wrote a little bit in college, nothing that became anything. But we did a critique group in my creative writing class in college, which I really, really found useful. And then um, eventually, after I moved here, I found another wonderful critique group, the River Valley Writers Critique Group that meets at mm-hmm. the Russellville Library on Tuesdays. <laughs> and they were extremely... Shameless plug. Oh, yeah. No shame <laughs> in my it. plug. No, no. It's a good group. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, they were extremely helpful in... Um, keeping me in line and helping me improve my writing and 
getting me to a point where I had something that could possibly be published. You're so helpful. That's amazing, and that is good. Um, I, I think most writers would agree that having that support early on and then a continuing body of people who, um, who will critique and who will be honest and uh, because because they want you to grow as an author, so that and that is an excellent group. I I do know some of those folks, and um, they're great. So, uh, when did you come up with the idea for Pig Hearted? Well, right after I moved to Russellville in early 2017, I was driving around in my car and I heard a story on NPR about a scientist that is trying to take pigs and use human DNA to allow the pigs to grow human organs. And that's completely illegal right now, but it's scientifically possible. And his idea is basically that instead of having a farm where you could um, raise pigs to have bacon and pork chops and whatnot, you would have a similar kind of farm where you could raise pigs to give people heart transplants or liver transplants. Wow. And there's a scientist trying to do that. And part of the reason it was so controversial is because using the CRISPR gene editing technology, it sounds really precise, but it's not as precise as it sounds, I think. Mm -hmm. And it could be possible that there could be some kind of weird sci-fi mishap and the pig could end up a little bit too human and possibly have some human neurons and possibly have some human-like thinking. And Mm -hmm. as someone who has a deep and abiding love of Star Trek and all things science fiction, Mm -hmm. it just seemed to me like that kind of deeply unsettling, complicated idea seemed great for kids. Just great. <laughs> and grown-ups. Um, <laughs> uh, those of us who uh, were like you, you know, and, and follow and love that kind of um, storyline. Uh, yeah, and, and you kind of have that at the end of your book, the, a little mm-hmm. um, little blurb kind of thing that explains how that, how that kind of could happen and maybe someone's working on it. Um, I think the fact that this is a middle-level book for kids, I would say... You know, 10, 11 to 13, 14, that, that yeah. range. Although, like, I, I love reading middle-level books. Um, they are they are basically characters and plot. There's not a, lo- a lot of extraneous. Um, there's not the language. There's not the relationships, um, inappropriate ones, you know. It, it's just <laughs> the, your characters with the kids interacting, which, to me, I think it would be harder to write m- myself because you don't have all that... You can't use that other stuff to fill some pages, you know. Uh, but uh, having said that, you know that's that's a very tough um, age to get something that will really grab them. And uh, this, I have no doubt that this is going to, if it gets in the right hands, it's going to be huge. I really do believe that. Um, and you, but you didn't. It's not like a little kid's story. I mean, it's very raw and uh, and real. And so um, was that hard for you to write? Not really. Whenever I lived in Houston, I taught sixth graders. So it just, that experience left me just with a big respect 
for that age group that they are just so smart mm-hmm. and every single kid I taught so capable and able to understand just the most complex um, interesting things and they have such a complex emotional and internal life too that I just didn't think that I needed to shy away from anything really complicated with them. Mm-hmm. It's not presented using complicated language or in complicated terms, but the ideas are big. Mm-hmm. And I think that middle schoolers are just little philosophers. They're mm-hmm. so interested in these big questions that we don't have time to think about. But mm-hmm. they just they can think about it all they want, and they're just exactly. brilliant people. Yeah, and uh, I totally agree because I taught seventh grade math, and um, never thought I would be able to work with that age. Uh, it's a it's a hard age because these kids are get are, they're like on the the cusp, on the brink of of um, you know hormones and and you know making that next step in their uh, growth. And so you you're getting them at that age before they lose some of that attention that they have that they can pay to to something like this. You know, their yeah. their head it's not all about boys and girls and, and sports and you know, but it's um there's room for other things for them before you know, at that age. I just I love middle school. And so uh this book is is just perfect for that age and anyone else who can read. <laughs> Thank you. Um so uh as an aspire Inspiring writer, did you find there were any traps um, that you fell into or you became aware of that would have, I guess, pulled you off track? One of the big things to keep in mind for people who might want to write is that you haven't failed until you've quit. So if you are querying and looking for an agent for 10 years, you haven't failed yet because there's no time at which you can you must stop that. You can just continue to do that. And I went through uh, I sent a lot of queries and revised a lot and had to it wasn't something that came together immediately for me. So I feel like that's definitely one trap where. Not only do people sometimes decide that if their book doesn't seem to be immediately successful, sometimes they want to give up, or sometimes they um, might dig in a little bit too hard and continue to try without adjusting their manuscript Mm -hmm. and editing Mm -hmm. it and thinking, well, if this is not getting any traction, what's the reason for that and how can I change my story, change my pitch, and mm-hmm. make this into something that will sell. And so I think I think those two things. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned a query. For those people who are listening that don't know what that is, can you tell us and kind of explain it? Basically, if you want to get traditionally published with one of the big five publishing house, maybe it's big four now, but if you want to get traditionally published with one of the major publishers, you need to have a literary agent. And to get a literary, most of the time, like 98% of the time, you're going to need a literary agent. And to get a literary agent, you have to send them a brief, um, you have to send them a pitch. 
You have to email them something that describes what your book's about and who you are and makes your book sound so enticing that they'll want to read it and then represent you and then sell your book to the publishers. And I, because I care about my happiness, have not counted how many rejections I got, (laughs) but it was very, very many, definitely well over 30, maybe over 50. I'm not sure because I like myself too much to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, um, and also it's not something that I would hold against any of the literary agents if they're not a good fit for you or if, as was the case with me, my manuscript wasn't in good enough shape. I needed to revise it more and improve it more. And once I did that as much as I needed to, then um, I was able to find a literary agent. And not too long after that, then I was able to get a publishing deal. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, there's going to be some literary agents that are going to be kicking themselves when this becomes <laughs> big, because uh, I really, I really do. I totally believe in this book. Um, so uh, you write under your own name, Alex Perry. Do you ever consider a pseudonym? Alex Perry is a little bit of a pseudonym oh, okay. because I started querying under Perry and it was a bit of a long journey, a couple of years. But um, I had already, I was already married, but I didn't change my name yet because I just hadn't gotten around to it. But um, my actual name's Alex Wehrman, okay. but um, it's very German. It's very hard to spell. And I wanted something Googleable. Mm-hmm. Plus, I didn't want a kid to call me Alex Werewolf. I could just, I taught, I taught sixth grade, so I, you know, I didn't yeah. want to be the werewolf lady that they couldn't spell. So instead, I just went with my maiden name. But Probably a good call. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm glad. Also, if you think about the bookshelf, I want to be in the middle of the bookshelf, mm. not like in the bottom corner. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It'd be yeah. right in the middle. There you go. Well, um, and that's, uh, do you have friends or know of people that have used pseudonyms and uh, for various reasons? Yeah. I know some people that want to keep their writing life and their personal life separate because mm-hmm. maybe some people that they know might not be a big fan of the kinds of things that the writer is writing. And they've they've chosen to use pseudonyms. And I think that that can be a really good idea for them. But um, since my book is for... Um, kids and stuff and I I feel real comfortable um letting that mix in with my personal life as much as it can right um now you have two uh main characters in this book there's the the boy and there's the pig did you have trouble going back and forth between the two because you do a really good job alternating chapters and uh was it Hard or a challenge to write from the pig's point of view or the pig <laughs> the pig speaks the language of my soul and it was very very easy uh-huh. the pig's kind of like I don't know I guess the closest thing to it is the pig's kind of like Miss Piggy in that he's a big diva but he's under the impression that he's a um rough and tumble action star <laughs> genius superstar supermodel pig of perfection so that just like that outrageousness that was really easy for me to write and all of his ridiculous jokes and completely um 
irrelevant pop cultural references that the pig <laughs> makes constantly is just like what goes on in my head all the time. I found it much harder to write the human child. Yeah, well, and, I, and as the a pig, big yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you there because uh, there was some drama with the boy and his friends and the doctor, you know, and his family, and then the it was very very different. But um, I laugh out loud, funny uh, with the pig and what he, <laughs> like you said, the things that he, how he perceived himself in the world, and um, it's just. Excellent, excellent job. Um, did you, when we were talking earlier, you were talking about editing the book. And did you edit anything out of it or a major change? I've made several earlier on in the writing process. The book was sent was set 50 years in the future. Hmm. There's a bunch of like wacky sci-fi stuff going on. It was a very different length. It had very different... Um, very different plot. It was just altogether a very, very different book. I continued to edit it and improve it based on advice I was getting. Um, also, and this was just a terrible idea, originally the pig was in first person and the boy was in third person because I couldn't figure out how to get his voice right and mm-hmm. really, really right from his perspective. And that was just off-putting and weird so I I changed that too but um yeah I changed the ending significantly I um edited some things that I hadn't even considered during the um proofreading process that were um sensitivity concerns that I hadn't like really thought of that way and I was Mm -hmm. really glad that they pointed out nothing like major I I didn't put anything bad in there no but there were some minor things that might have come off a little bit odd so I was very glad to get the chance to edit those edit those out and um I also one problem I had was from the pig's point of view even though the pig's voice is very funny to him I see his experience as he's almost like a character in a horror movie from his point of view mm-hmm. in that he's a pig and he knows all the people around him might eat him and so <laughs> he doesn't think it's funny he thinks it's very serious and that these are a bunch of scary cannibal monsters mm-hmm. surrounding him <laughs> and so upon some very good advice from my editor and other people they said okay this book is maybe written for eight to twelve year olds you should not reference silence of the lambs in your book that is that is not appropriate you need to reference Die Hard significantly less. <laughs> that does not have a good place in this children's novel. And I I think that that was probably a good call. So I I eliminated those. But you kept the rock. Those references. I kept the rock. Originally, I think it was Jason Statham or something. I was so... I was so happy, like, my husband hadn't read this section, but he casually made a reference to and not having read it. He said something like, yeah, I guess The Rock would play the pig in the movie. And that was something that I had put in the book as a ridiculous joke. And he was just trying to think of the silliest thing he could say. I loved it. That was, yeah. Yeah, the pig envisions himself as basically (laughs) Dwayne The Rock Johnson in four-sign form. (laughs) Exactly. 
That's where his ego is. Yeah. Oh, it's just, oh, yeah. I, I think I'm going to read it again. And then don't reread a lot of books. <laughs> I have too many to read for the first time. But um, were there any of the scenes in it that were really hard for you to write? Um, like any of the technical stuff? Or did, did you do a lot of research on that? I guess I should ask. I did a lot of research. I had to, for some reason, I forgot my high school about all the different parts of the heart. So I had to keep on going back and remembering <laughs> the different parts of the heart. Um, all of the technology involves in Jeremiah, the boy, he uses an LVAD, which is a heart pump, which is a left um, arterial ventric- left ventricular assist device which is a small pump that goes inside the heart and connects to a battery pack he wears outside of um, his body. And I had to research a lot about that and what life is like for people who have that. And I spoke to my friend's dad, who's a cardiologist, who was able to give me a lot of really good advice and help me out a lot with that. But the hardest bit was definitely um, having to get the ending just right. The beginning was easy, but the ending was a little bit complicated. Yeah, yeah, because I, as I got closer to the end, I'm like, how is she going to wrap this up? Oh, this could go so many different ways. And, you know, like um, uh, <laughs> like one of my, my favorite um, character, uh, Bob, the, no, Larry the Cucumber from VeggieTales, there's a thing where he does, um, he, he'll say, I laughed, yeah, I cried, it moved me, Bob. And that's exactly <laughs> how I felt about this. Um how long did it take you to write the book? The process you went to uh, went through. We've talked about about it in general terms, but like from when you f- did the first draft of it, how long did it take? The first draft was maybe like three weeks. The mm-hmm. first draft was really, really fast because it was bad. And it's easy to write bad stuff really fast. Like, it's the easiest thing in the world to write something <laughs> that is not very good. Mm-hmm. And um, revising was a very, very long process. But drafting it, and also since um, the pig's voice just was my heart song, so it mm-hmm. just came out very easily mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And then you went with, who is your publisher? Um, Little Brown for Young Readers. Yes. Yes, excellent publisher. Uh, they they put out some good books, and this is going to be one of the best. Um, is there anything else you would like to to just share about the writing experience for people who might be listening who are thinking of writing? Because coming up in November, November is mm. NaNoWriMo, which stands for National Novel, Novel Writing Writing <laughs> Month. Month. <laughs> Take the first two letters of all those words, and you've got NaNoWriMo. And, and with that, it's like, write 50,000 words in the month of November. They don't have to be good words. They don't have to go together really good, like you were saying. You just do that. Get that first draft. Get the ideas out there. And um, one thing I, I read recently, an author of a new book that's out that's science fiction-y and everything, and his, his advice was, if you wake up in the middle of the night with an idea— Get up and write it down because that is when you will get the best things. And that was the basis of a book he he has out now. So um, is there any advice to give to those writers who are, it's like maybe they've got that first draft, they've got that idea and it's down on paper as to next steps? One of the 
I one of the most important things to me has been um, a willingness to seek out and take critique because it is deeply uncomfortable at first whenever you read something you've written out loud to a group of people and then they might have some suggestions for you that can make you feel very, very bad. And mm. many people are terrified of that. But for me, the idea of being scared to write something bad and get not criticized, but embarrass myself like that made me try to write something better, <laughs> made me try to write things that would make the other people in my group laugh and helped improve me as an author. So that was definitely something that's definitely something I would recommend. And to always be open to that critique, even if the critique, even if the criticism isn't exactly right on point, just still take it in exactly. and yeah. um, figure out something to do with it. Because if something bothered them, it might what they're recommending for you to change might not be exactly what you need to change, but there might be something that needs another look. And another thought is just keeping in mind the um, business aspect of it and the fact that you're trying to sell a product. Because, well, I guess that's my, that's my cynical point of view. But at the end of the day, you're trying to sell a product mm-hmm. and create something that other people will want to purchase. So in that vein, trying to read as much of um, read widely and also read really deeply in your genre so that you know how your book fits in the genre Mm -hmm. that can be very helpful some people online think writers don't need to read that much if they don't have the time but those are very silly Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and there's pretty much not anything you can say that's like wrong writing advice but that's it that's that's the one wrong piece of writing advice yeah you need critique partners and you need to read as much in your genre as you can so that you have a really clear point of view on where your book would fit in amongst all the other books yeah that's my critique group's been so helpful to me so i do want to know do you have anything else in the works allegedly (laughs) (laughs) supposed to have something i turned in a while ago but then 2020 happened Mm. No one got anything done in 2020, so that's okay. (laughs) Um, Also, I have a toddler, and whenever I try to type something, she'll walk up and she'll grab my laptop and she'll shut it. She'll take it away and she'll put it on the ground and open it up to start hitting buttons. (laughs) And... There's a story right there. She's, uh, she's very strict with me. Yes. You're like, Mommy, I'm being neglected. I'm a little neglected right. baby, and this is not okay. So, like, yes, so you have something. Do you have any unfinished? Ma- I mean, like. I'm working right now on a story, and the setting, I might change the setting, but it's about two girls, two um, middle school girls that do not get along with each other. They have nothing in common until both of their sisters go missing. And in looking for their sisters, they find friendship in each other. One of the sisters is convinced that since her sister would never have left her intentionally and nothing bad could have happened, so she's not even going to entertain that idea. She must have been abducted by aliens. So she's on the alien search. The other girl is more grounded and <laughs> looking for this. I'm, oh, not, I'm I hung up wait. on siblings and terrible yeah. things happening in sibling relationships, <laughs> well. I guess. I, I'm excited. I look forward to that one. In the meantime, um, for those of you listening, Pig Hearted will be out October 26th. 
Yes. That's our release. We have pre-ordered um, a good supply of them, so please call us at the bookstore or come in. Pre-order Pig Hearted so you're sure to get one of the first ones. And um, Alex is relocating <laughs> right before that, right? Right before oh, it comes yes. Yeah, um, yeah. My husband got a new job, so we're going to be moving to the Chicago area mm. where he starts his job two days before the book comes out. <laughs> so these are wild times. Yes, they are. Wild, exciting times, though. Uh, enjoy every minute of it. And, you know, put it in a book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when the weird things happen, just write it down and put it away uh, for later. But, um, yeah, so we, we really uh, are going to try to approach I want to approach schools and let them know about this book because I believe in it with all my heart that this is an excellent book for anyone to read, but especially middle school kids. Um, I think they would really enjoy it. So you can pre-order it. It'll be out in hardcover, and it will be $16.99, I believe. I believe, yes. And uh, we're already trying to cast this into a, a movie for somebody. Disney, Netflix, a uh, few people are listening. Uh, <clears throat> this is your next hit. So pre-order a book from us, <laughs> read it, and then, uh, you know, we're going <clears> to <throat> work on casting it so we have good suggestions. <laughs> um, but anyway, Alex, thank you so much for coming and visiting with us. You have been a delight. Uh, I love your book. I love your writing style. I hope you uh, continue writing for many, many years and find the success that I believe you deserve. Um, so uh, thanks for coming by. And um, guys, read Pig Hearted. That's all I can say. You'll love it. Thank you so much for having me. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. You bet. <laughs>